that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe. And they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now, when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. But when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they would not believe it. After these things, he appeared in another form to two of them as they were walking in the country. And they went back and told the rest, but they did not believe them. Afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at table. And he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. Let's pray together. Father God, we are grateful for your love and your grace. We're thankful that you have met with us this morning. Indoors or outdoors, it matters not, Lord God, for you are present among us. In Jesus' name, amen. Check, check. Okay. All right. I told you we would have a few technical issues along the way. I am. Um, they were trying to get the wind off this microphone. So if y'all wait just a minute, for those of you tuning in at home, sorry. All right. Is that a little better? A little better? All right. I was, uh, I was singing, I don't know that y'all could hear me, but I, I couldn't help but look up and there were buzzards circling overhead and I thought, they have no place here today, for he is risen, he is alive. This morning we've gathered to celebrate the risen Savior and Lord. Um, time out, if we lose feed, again, let me know and we can use this microphone, okay? If we lose that, alright? Um, today we celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is alive. Those who had not seen Jesus, as you might imagine, couldn't be faulted for doubting the stories coming about his resurrection. Now, I want you to know that in the book of Mark, if you look in your Bibles, there at the top of, uh, in, in, in the middle of, of chapter 16, there's, in many of your Bibles, there'll be a little bit of note that says in our earliest manuscripts that this, did, this was not included. And what that means is that in the earliest manuscripts we have of the Gospel of Mark and of the New Testament, those final verses of Mark were not included. So the, the possibility exists, as a matter of fact, it's pretty likely 
that those verses were actually added afterward. In other words, an editor somewhere along the way, in the first 150 years or so after Jesus' birth, or excuse me, Jesus' death, came in and added that as sort of a historical mark, but that it wasn't actually written by Mark himself. You say, Craig, why do we include it? And the reason we include it is because if God has seen fit to allow that to remain in his scripture for these 2,000 years, I believe that God has a purpose for it. And so we continue to preach that as inspired scripture um, uh, here at Malvern Hill, and that, that's the way that I uh, uh, understand that. But as we come to the book of Mark, here at the very end, what we have is the hope. Uh, y'all are killing me. Are there anything else before we preach? Are we good? All right. What we have here is the hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, the first nine verses were actually what we were going to preach for our sunrise service this morning. But I wanted to go ahead and read them. I wanted you to be reminded that we gather on Easter. We gather on Resurrection Sunday because there is an empty grave. There's a reason that we've worked so diligently to make this day happen, this outdoor service happen, even though it has caused us to have to jump through all sorts of hoops. It's because there is nothing more important in the Christian faith than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Y'all, if it was possible for somebody to prove that there was a body laying in a tomb somewhere in Jerusalem whose DNA matched that of Jesus Christ, there would be no Christianity. There is no hope unless the gospel is true, and the gospel is only true if the grave is empty. And I come to you today to proclaim that the grave is empty. Today we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. The world is a different place because Jesus rose from the dead. Now, those who had not seen Jesus couldn't be faulted for doubting the stories coming in about his resurrection. Perhaps many were still trying to come up with a theological explanation. The ascension of Jesus sealed the deal. After his ascension, the disciples got busy proclaiming the resurrection and bringing people to faith. But it really was, up to that point, far too much to take in. You see, on that first resurrection morning, it was more than most people could wrap their brains around. G.K. Chesterton said it this way, On the third day, the friends of Christ came at daybreak to the place and found the grave empty and the stone rolled away. In varying ways, they realized with the new wonder, but even they hardly realized, you ready for this, that the world had died in the night. What they were looking at was the first day of a new creation with a new heaven and a new earth. And in the semblance of the gardener, God walked again in the garden, not in the evening, but in the cool of the morning at dawn. I come to you this morning with this big question. Have you experienced the resurrection? Not have you heard about the resurrection. Have you experienced the resurrection of Jesus Christ personally in your own life? See, the creation is brand new. It's new, even in a time of global pandemic. The creation is new. What value has this global pandemic? Have we begun to begin to process what good could possibly come from something as bad as COVID-19? If nothing else, it serves to remind us that we are all the same. We all, the entire world, from China to California, from Canada all the way to South America, all across the world, we are the same. And we are subject to this crippling virus that has damaged and nearly destroyed even the global economy. Here on Resurrection Sunday, the day of greatest hope, the world is gripped. The world is gripped by the news of COVID-19. What 
we wait for a viable treatment. We wait for a viable treatment to this disease, but we celebrate, you ready for this, that the penalty for our sin has been paid. The world waits with eager anticipation for a cure or a vaccine for COVID-19. Today, the world knows that they need to be rescued from COVID-19. I ask you this, do they know that they need to be rescued from their sins? Today of all days, we celebrate that the cure for our sin sickness has been secured with the cross of Calvary and the empty tomb. Do you know that you need Jesus today? Do you know that you need Christ? Have you personally experienced the resurrection? If you haven't, I want you to know that Jesus loves you. And on this resurrection morning, he wants you to be saved. And I want us to consider the various ways that Jesus convinced his followers of the resurrection. First this morning, I want us to look at a tender salvation. Look at a tender salvation. Look at the story of Mary Magdalene. Now, Mary, if we believe the Bible, and I do, from Genesis all the way to to Revelation, Mary, the Bible says, was a woman whom Jesus had cast out seven demons. This is a woman who had suffered. This is a woman who had been hurt and abused. But Jesus loved her anyway. When Jesus revealed himself to Mary, he did so in a tender and loving way. Jesus knew what Mary needed, and he met her at the point of her need. Do you know that Jesus knows just what you need today? And Jesus is willing to meet you right there. Just consider the the Apostle John's account of Mary. I'm going to read this to you. I'm going to read it off my iPad because the wind doesn't blow the pages here. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary... She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and he has said these things to her. Mary was a woman who needed the Lord in different sorts of ways than others might. She had been abused and neglected. She had had demons cast out of her, and yet Jesus knew her name. Jesus knew her name, and when Jesus called her name, she knew her shepherd's voice, and she responded. Maybe you're like Mary today. Maybe you've been hurt, you've been abused, you're scared, you're lonely, you need help. You need someone to pick you up, to bind up your wounds, and to heal your scars. I want you to know that Jesus is a tender Savior. Jesus is a loving Savior, and He can meet you at the point of your need. Do you need a healer? I know him. Do you need a hero? I know him. Do you need a savior? I know him. And according to Isaiah, he's a savior who does not snuff out a smoldering wick or break a bruised reed. His name is Jesus, and he offers a tender salvation. But Jesus doesn't just offer a tender salvation because he knows us. Jesus also offers a logical salvation. Maybe you aren't like Mary. Perhaps you've made up your mind that you won't allow your emotions to sway your opinion. 
You're not interested in feeling Jesus. You need to be convinced about the truth of Jesus. The story of Mary is nice, but like the disciples, you don't believe this emotional lady. You're looking for a logical explanation. Remember, Thomas was that way. Thomas was a guy that said, I won't believe unless what? Unless I can stick my hand into his side. I won't believe unless I can actually see his hands and his feet. Thomas wasn't the only one. The disciples on the road to Emmaus, those are the ones that Mark's referring to in Mark 16, 12, and 13. Those disciples who were walking along, they had a conversation with the risen Lord on the road. Jesus appeared to them, but they didn't recognize him. Now, there are many reasons why they may not have recognized Jesus. They may not have recognized Jesus because they may have been his disciples, but may have never had a meal with him. They may have been his followers, but they just didn't know him that well. It's possible that in his resurrected form, Jesus looked different than he did prior to his resurrection. But we do know this. The book of Luke tells us that their eyes were kept from seeing him. You see, we can work on all the logical explanation, but what we know is that God had a purpose in making sure that these folks didn't recognize Jesus right away. And they had all sorts of questions. You see, they had believed that Jesus might be the one, but then Jesus died. With those disciples, Jesus worked to carefully explain the Old Testament. See, he explained to them the reason he had to die. The Bible says, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted the things concerning himself. Jesus was patient with these disciples, and he logically explained why it was that he had to die. It wasn't just with them. With Thomas, Jesus was patient. Folks, with you, he's willing to be patient. Jesus offers to answer the questions of those who asked him. He offered those who questioned a logical salvation. This shouldn't surprise us at all. The Bible says that all who seek him find him. Are you questioning today? Do you want answers today? All truth is God's truth, and the people of God do not fear questions. At the end of all honest questions, one finds a bloody cross and an empty tomb. If you're willing to ask the questions today, if you're willing to seek for the truth, if you're willing to find answers, let me assure you, Jesus stands ready to give you answers. He is the way and the truth and the life. Have you experienced the resurrection today? Do you have questions? Do you need answers? He is a Savior who doesn't cast away those who question. He welcomes them with open arms to hear His word, to see His wounds, and to live. His name is Jesus, and He offers a logical salvation. But perhaps this morning, you don't need a logical salvation. Perhaps this morning, you don't need a tender salvation. See, we see that Jesus offers both of those things. But when none of those will work, Jesus has a sledgehammer that he uses to bring people to him. And it is the hammer of his conviction. Look at verse 13 in Mark 16. The Bible says, He appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at table. And he rebuked them for their unbelief. Folks, rebuke is not a nice word. I don't want us to pretend like it is. Rebuke is a hard, harsh word. And yet Jesus used rebuke. I often rebuke my children. Now, I I don't... Well, let me back up. I try not to rebuke them any more than I have to. But if they're running toward a busy road, I rebuke them. When they're running toward a busy intersection, especially when they were younger and we were trying to hold on to them, you know, in those moments, I did not think about reasoning with them. I didn't think about giving them a tender opportunity to be rescued. 
If I saw one of my children running toward a busy road, I didn't go, now, sweetheart, I love you, and would you come back to Father? Trust me. If I saw one of them running toward a busy road, I didn't go, now, let's have a conversation. Let me answer all your questions. And beginning from birth to where you are today, let me explain to you why this is a bad idea. No, if they were running toward that busy road, I yelled, stop! What are you doing? Come back! Folks, I want you to know the word of rebuke, a loud word of rebuke even, is not given because I don't love my children, but because I do love my children. The rebuke of Jesus is not given because Jesus doesn't love, but because Jesus does love and he desires to bring you in. Some of you need a convicting salvation. You haven't experienced the resurrection, not because you've not considered the evidence. You haven't considered the resurrection, not because you've not been wooed and loved by Jesus and the people of Jesus. You've not experienced the resurrection because you don't want to experience the resurrection. You don't believe because you haven't been willing to believe. You don't want to believe. Jesus offers a rebuke for his disciples, and I offer it for you today. Jesus is alive. He died, and now he lives. He died for your sins and mine, and he overcame death, hell, sin, and the grave. He looked at his disciples, and he said, you are hard-hearted. You refuse to believe. I want some of you to hear me today. Some of you are hard-hearted. Hearted and you have refused to believe. I want you to know that there is punishment for those who do not come to Christ, but for all who would come to the Lord Jesus Christ, He promises life <coughs> everlasting. This morning, the tomb is empty, the body of Jesus isn't there. Jesus died for your sins and mine, and he overcame death, hell, sin, and the grave. You need Jesus. Turn from your sin today and be saved. Turn from your pride and be saved. Come to Jesus. Have you experienced the resurrection today? Some of you need to be loved. You need to be loved and bound up like Mary. She had a hard life, and Jesus was tender and kind. And some of you need to experience that kind, tender, loving hand of the Lord Jesus Christ who will welcome you. Some of you have questions and you want answers like the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Jesus has answers. And all who seek Him find Him. Would you seek the Lord today? He stands ready to welcome you. Some of you, though, need to be rebuked. You know the answers. You know the hope. But like Jesus' followers, you refuse to believe. Jesus died on the cross and rose to save you. He is willing to meet you wherever you are. Easter is different this year, but the resurrection is still the same. Easter is different, but COVID-19 hasn't changed anything about what Jesus has done. It's changed much about our world, but it has not stopped the resurrection, and it has not stopped Jesus from saving. In 1 Samuel chapter 14, Jonathan and his armor-bearer approach a garrison of the Philistines. And it's an interesting time as, as they're going and, and they're having a conversation. And Jonathan says to his armor bearer some words that are very brave and bold. They're filled with faith, but they prove to be prophetic. For Jonathan says, Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing means nothing. Do you understand that? Neither death nor hell, 
nor principalities. There is literally nothing that can separate you from the love of God in Jesus Christ. And there is literally nothing that can hinder Jesus from saving. Not coronavirus, not the grave, not a cross, not even your sin. Nothing can stop Jesus from saving today. Nothing can hinder the Lord. Will you be saved? Have you experienced the resurrection? Today can be the day. Because see, Easter's not about rabbits and candy. Easter's not about nice clothes. One of the things that we're being reminded of today is it doesn't matter if you had an Easter dress, does it? None of us got our Easter haircuts. I put a tie on for the first time in a month and a half. I'm preaching an Easter service in jeans. I have never done that. And yet in the midst of all that, do you know it doesn't matter? Because Easter is about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He died so that you could be saved. And he rose from the grave to prove that his death was satisfactory. God accepted his sacrifice on our behalf. And today, you can experience the resurrection of Jesus Christ in your own life. You say, Craig, how would I do that? How could I find this Jesus who would bind up my wounds? How could I find this Jesus who would answer my questions? Or perhaps today, you're experiencing the conviction of the Holy Spirit And you recognize right now that you have resisted for far too long. And you say, Craig, how might I be saved? Are you ready for this? If you would confess your sins and ask Jesus Christ to come into your life, the promise from God's Word is you'll be saved. We've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. But even though we are all sinners separated from God by our our sin, even though we all like sheep have gone astray, each of us has turned to his own way. On Good Friday 2,000 years ago, God laid upon Christ the iniquity of us all, the sin of us all, and Jesus carried it to Calvary's cross. And there on the cross of Calvary, Jesus died the death that should have been yours and should have been mine. There on Calvary's cross, Jesus paid the penalty for your sin and mine. He laid in a grave for three days, and on the third day, he got up. And today, that resurrection doesn't need to just be a historical moment. It can be a personal moment in your own life. If you'd call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you can be saved. If you're here in our parking lot today and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, let me urge you today, can be the day. We're not going to have you come forward, but I'm going to tell you this, if you would like for one of us to counsel with you. If you'd flag somebody down, we'd love to talk with you about what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus Christ. But if you're at home today and you'd like to know what it looks like to become a follower of Jesus Christ, you can run to our website and there's a gospel presentation on our website. You can find an email address or a church phone number right there. If you know somebody here at Malvern Hill and you don't have my phone number, you can call them. They'll give you my number. And folks, I'd love to talk with you to help you figure out exactly how it is that you can experience the resurrection of Jesus Christ in your own life today. And today can be the most historic and memorable Easter Sunday in your life as the resurrection becomes not just a historical reality, but a personal experience. Let me pray for us. Father God in heaven, I am so grateful that you love us. And Father, in just a moment, we're going to sing a couple of more songs. I pray that we would lift our voices in praise the one who has risen from the grave and for any today Lord God who does not know you Lord I pray that they would be reminded that nothing can stop the Lord nothing can hinder you Lord God from saving not watching this at home in their pajamas not gathering and sitting in their cars not a global pandemic nothing hinders the Lord
Your arm is not shortened, and I pray that you would save in Jesus' name. Amen.